Hello, my name is Julia Steyer, a contributor to Stage Raw, and welcome to Stages of Our City. Stage Raw is a Los Angeles-based theater discussion website that seeks to discover hidden theatrical gems and companies in the unexpected corners of our region. Join us for a conversation among Stage Raw critics about what they've seen in the area and sometimes beyond. From small black box theaters to large commercial venues, the critics of Stage Raw make it their mission to witness the wide range of stories that our theater makers are telling. Please welcome our moderator, founding editor Stephen Lee Morris. This is Stages of Our City. Julia Steyer and Iris Mann, welcome to Stages of Our City. Thank you for having us. We're going to be discussing today, not necessarily in this sequence, but we will be discussing the Lehman Trilogy, which is playing through April 10th, a one-night show that Julia saw at Jenna Fisher. Iris will be discussing Anne at the Pasadena Playhouse, Silent Sky at Theater 40, and on the other hand, we're happy at Road Machine. And meanwhile, over the weekend, I saw Dario Fo and Franca Rame can't pay, don't pay at Actors Gang. Let's start with Iris. Let's start with Anne at the Pasadena Playhouse. Oh, well, she is, this is Helen Taylor. Uh, she was born to play this. It's a class in acting. Everything she does is spot on. The character is fascinating. And this play and the other one, Silent Sky, have in common the fact that they, they deal with women who sort of broke the glass ceiling and with issues with which women are still concerned today. Anne was the, the former governor of Texas. Yes, she's the late governor of Texas. She was governor from 1991 to 1995. She is a very salty, risque character. Deliciously so. And people, I think, will remember Holland Taylor for a lot of her television work, particularly as the sarcastic mother of the two main characters on the series Two and a Half Men. And for two hours, as Richard, she regales the audience with anecdotes about the character's life and career. And it's laced with the kind of barbed witticisms for which the former governor was famous. Now, in 1988, you may remember Richards was the keynote speaker at the Democratic National Convention. And one of her iconic lines from that, she was speaking about then Vice President George H.W. Bush. And she said, poor George, he was born with a silver foot in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) She talks very openly about the character's alcoholism. And at one point, she says, I know I crossed the line one time going to a costume party dressed as a tampon. Um, And then she says, after an intervention by family and friends, she finally went to rehab or drunk school, as she calls it. The play opens with Anne addressing a graduating class at a university in Texas. And so she talks about her childhood, a humble beginnings in town outside of Waco, Texas. And she says her mother was impossible to please. And her father was very loving and supporting and told her she could do anything that she wanted to do. She says she also inherited her taste for dirty jokes from him. Mm. Uh, Then it morphs into 
her office as governor, and she's fielding calls to and from journalists, staff, people, bawling them out, and then alternatively (laughs) giving them gifts. She takes calls from some recognizable people, particularly Bill Clinton, who was president at the time. And every gesture, every take, every bit of timing is just spot on. I can't say enough about this. Mm-hmm. Now, the only reservations I have is that as the playwright, Taylor gets carried away and the dialogue could use some judicious trimming, particularly at the end. It seems as though she, <laughs> She got carried away and didn't really want to end the piece at all. Got a section where Anne is talking from the grave, and it's unnecessary. It, it should have ended more quickly than that. Yes. But that is my only objection. But you had a good time. Oh, rollicking time. And she deals with some very important political issues. You see her agonizing over whether or not to stay the execution of a young man who was cruelly abused as a child, but then raped and murdered a 70-something-year-old nun. She's also talking very spiritedly about Roe v. Wade, and that's very relevant today, considering that Texas has virtually stripped women of their reproductive rights. Yes. This is Anne at the Pasadena Playhouse through April 24th. Thank you, Iris. Julia, you saw the Lehman Trilogy at the Amundsen. It's playing through April 10th. What did you think? Biggest thing about it was it's incredibly long. It is three and a half hours. I was not expecting that. I kind of think that's a crime. Anything over two hours, I'm like, oof. That being said, I was very captivated by it. The person I brought was not. So something that I really appreciated about the play, um, so sorry, to back it up, it's about the rise and fall of the Lehman family. So it starts off with Mm -hmm. the first three Lehman brothers Mm -hmm. starting their shop in Alabama and their rise, you know, to their giant corporation and then basically leading up to the moment of bankruptcy. And it's just told by three people. It's a three-person play and they play about, I was counting, I think like 12 to 14 characters. They're, you know, they're always taking on different accents, different stances. So acting wise, it was amazing to watch. The dialogue style as a writer, I appreciated it. As a audience member, that's where it started to lose me. So it was very narration based. So it was very like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stand here and back in this day, the Lehman Brothers did this, 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 and this. And then they would maybe engage with each other for a couple of lines, you know, like, so they were dropping into scenes. And as a playwright, I was like, that's great. I don't have to write dialogue if I did something like this. But as an audience member, it was like, I feel like I'm listening to an audiobook a little bit. There definitely was a lack of relationship building just in terms of engagement with each other. It, you know, it was very presentational very out to the audience, uh, which is interesting until it's three and a half hours of that. And you're like, well, I kind of want to see, like, I didn't really fully understand how the brothers interacted with each other. Um, you know, you only got like little tidbits here and there of that. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. I thought that the first two parts were interesting. It was kind of like when they had first come to America and then the second part was kind of they're starting to expand and each each hour is a new generation of the family. And something I think didn't work, though, is that this is a very American story just in its context, but it's written, directed, performed by non-Americans. And normally that's not an issue, except for the fact that there were certain things 
that I felt like they didn't fully understand the context of. And so they're coming in and they're saying like, oh my gosh, you know, we're just three guys building our empire on cotton, which to a British audience, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And to all of us in the audience, we were like, okay, well, it's hard to feel bad for you when we know you were building your empire off the backs of slaves. Like it, it was like that kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, disconnect it felt like because they, they would mention mm-hmm. slavery briefly, or, you know, mention how annoying it was that the slaves were rebelling. And it was like, oh, there's something that's not, I don't feel bad for these characters anymore. So I'm watching them, you know, go through these struggles, but I, I don't feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it was, it was hard to, to kind of go on that ride with them. That have been the, the point, the overarching authorial point that these people had great big, by contemporary standards, had huge blind spots. Totally, totally. But it, it, I, as a modern audience, wanted them to address that a little bit because it did it did just feel like a disconnect and it didn't feel like something I feel like an American playwright would have done. And, and maybe you're right. And maybe that's an interesting just angle to take it on is somebody from the outside who's like, well, I don't have I'm not as seeped in the context of all of this stuff. Let me just tell you the story from how mm-hmm. from, a, from a more neutral place. Yeah. 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 Thank you. That's the Lehman Trilogy at the Amundsen Theatre through April the 10th. Iris, Silent Sky at the Beverly Hills Playhouse, which plays through April 17th. I really wanted to like this production because I think the director, Anne Hearn Tobolowsky, is a brilliantly talented woman. And somewhere there, there must be a play because I could glean certain lyrical passages that did not come across, but I could sense that in the writing, there must have been something there. It's a play that takes place in the early 1900s, and it's based on a true story. Henrietta Leavitt was an aspiring astronomer, and she was accepted to Harvard and thought she was going to go and be a full-fledged astronomer there. When she gets there, she finds that she is relegated to being with women who are called computers. Now, that's not the modern understanding of computers. They're there because they compute by tracking the stars from plates that are given Mm. to them by the bona fide astronomers who are men. Now, Lauren Gunderson, who wrote the play, is reportedly one of the most produced playwrights in America although she's never had a production on Broadway. And she often writes about a mixture of science and the person. Yes, yes, that's correct. And this is that. But unfortunately, while it does bring out the the issue of the attitude, the discrimination against women, the play comes across as ponderous and heavy and lackluster. And I think a lot of it has to do with the performances. The the characters mm. seem to be speaking at each other rather than to each other. So and maybe there's a maybe there's a better play than meets the eye. I think so. I found that the playwright has added a character that is fictional in the form of a male apprentice astronomer and has created a kind of romance between him and Levitt. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work. There's no chemistry. And it just doesn't seem to fit. Mm. 
Now, if this were totally a work of fiction, you might be able to justify it, but it's not. It's a historical play. Ultimately, Levitt discovers a way to measure. Now, I, I think that a lot of the scientific dialogue would go over the, the heads of the audience, and it certainly went over my head. But I don't think it's necessary to understand it if the personal works. Got it. Discovered a way to measure distances in space, which was revolutionary. So she finally triumphs. But unfortunately, I was very disappointed. Silent Sky at Theater 40 through April 17th. Uh, Julia, you saw Winnie Stack's at Jenna Fisher, which was for one night only at the Hyperion Theater. Give us a snapshot of what you saw. Yes, it was a darling show. It was half stand-up, it felt like, and kind of half one-woman show. It was very short. It was about, oh gosh, I would say like 35 minutes, very short. But it is about uh, a woman, Winnie Stack, who, when she was 11 years old, fell in love with the actress Jenna Fisher, which many people will recognize her as Pam from The Office. And she did not realize at the time that she was gay, that Winnie herself was gay. And so she takes journal diary or journal entries from her real diary and reads them out loud and weaves it into the story of her kind of discovering her sexuality through this love and obsession with this actress and being like, well, no, I just really, really like her. It doesn't mean I like women. You know what? No, that's not what it means. And it's, mm -hmm. it kind of mm -hmm. takes us on this quick little journey, really from like elementary school to like about 16. Um, and she plays different characters from her life. She, you know, she takes on the affectation of a theater teacher that just had everyone dying because we were like, yep, that, that feels about right. You know, she had like the obnoxious neighbor kid. And so it was, I would say it was a really good, it was less of like a play. I hesitate to even call it a one woman show because it did feel more like a long, scene or it really did feel more stand-up it was more casual i would say than like a very strict show but it, i i think it served as like a wonderful showcase for her i i thought it really showed how she could take on these different characters just how much just voice and body could make a change and really just throw us into it and then what i also just liked was how light and dear and genuine it was it was so sweet she was not afraid to kind of laugh at herself she invited us to laugh at the absurdity of these journal entries of her her own cluelessness to herself and it was and honestly after a three and a half hour show a 35 minute one was <laughs> great <laughs> at jenna fisher at the hyperion theater it was a one night stand so to speak um <laughs> iris you saw on the other hand we're happy at rogue machine which is at the matrix theater Yes, and that also did not work for me. It deals with a serious issue of adoption. This, this couple decides they want a baby, but he's shooting blanks, so uh, they have to adopt. And they find daughter of a drug-addicted mother. And that performance was the best one. The one who played the drug-addicted mother was really, really spot on. But the pace, they played it at the pace of screwball comedy, which just doesn't fit the subject. And they should have taken more time to let things happen, to let reactions and emotions sink in. Otherwise, everything was lost. Mm -hmm. And aside from that performance, uh, I could not get involved with the other two characters. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we're happy at the at Rogue Machine, which is currently uh, in residence uh, at a theater 
It's their new home, the Matrix Theater on Melrose Avenue. Over the weekend, I saw a play by Dario Fo and Franca Rame called Can't Pay, Don't Pay, which was written in the 70s. And it's, by the way, it's an actor's gang. And it's about inflation. And, and it's a kind of rebellion by uh, women in particular that just simply refuse to pay the higher prices. And so they uh, stage a revolt. And their mortified husbands were working at the factories. And they don't want to be married to criminals. And yet they are suffering the direct consequences. So it's, it's, it's very funny. They have done this in uh, the actors gang has done this in their commedia style. And it's really sharp. Um, that, that is one of the many pleasures of this, of this production because it's sort of combination of theater of the absurd and farce. Because of that, it is by definition reductive. And the play is also slightly reductive too, in that it, it seems to blame inflation on the evil corporations uh, who run everything, which is you live long enough and you realize some of these platitudes, are they're not untrue, but they're not entirely true either. They're just half-truths. And yet the play traffics in these half-truths as though they are completely true. That's a philosophical difference. That said, I was so grateful to see Comedia done so well. Standout performance by somebody I actually went to uh, UCLA with, I won't say how many decades ago, but it's so lovely to see him on the stage as hysterically funny and gentle uh, in performance as now as he was then in that Steve Porter. And uh, so that was Can't Pay, Don't Pay at Actors Gang through April 17th. Julia Steyer is our producer for Stages of Our City. Thank you, Julia. And with that, thank you, Iris and Julia, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us. For having me. Thank you all for joining us today on this episode of Stages of Our City. To learn more about Stage Raw or the Los Angeles theater scene, visit www.stageraw.com. And be sure to support us on Patreon so that we may continue to highlight the work of theater makers here in the City of Angels. I'm Julia Steyer, and this has been Stages of Our City. Till next time! <laughs>